So since I'm a Big 12 nerd, I spend way too much time thinking about the Big 12 in general and uh, what the future of this conference is going to look like. And the more I think about it, the more excited I get. I'm Pete Mundo. Heartland College Sports Weekly is the show. HeartlandCollegeSports.com, of course, is the site where your independent Big 12 digital media outlet And uh, as always, if you're on the radio, we love you there. If you're on the podcast, leave a rating, review, subscribe. We've got free koozies for you when you leave that rating and review. And send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. So uh, now that we know Houston, UCF, Cincinnati, and BYU are joining this league next season for the 2023 football season, I keep thinking about what this conference is going to look like. And I noted I think it's going to be the most fun conference in America because four new teams in, Oklahoma and Texas will be here for at least a couple of seasons, most likely for 2023 and 2024. That'll make for some, you know, fun rivalries. How do you split this thing up? What do you do? How do you divvy up schedules? It's just there's so many unanswered questions still, but it's it's going to be so much fun to follow. And I'm thinking about it for the Big 12, and I'm like, who are the bottom feeders? You want to sit here and say Kansas, okay, fine. I mean, that's an obvious choice. But, you know, I I buy in. I really buy in to what Lance Leipold is building more than I bought into anybody that has been the Kansas head coach since Mangino was fired. Jeez, almost a decade and a half ago now. So, like, I buy into to what Lance Leipold is doing, not just because he – beat Texas, played Oklahoma close, not just because of that, but because of the players they have coming into the program, right? I mean, they've they've got some nice players. Think of Kai Thomas transferring from Minnesota um, into the Kansas Jayhawk backfield, local guy, Topeka guy. I think that's a great addition. They did very well in the transfer portal, and Lance Leipold is building this thing in a very solid way. Do I think that they're competing for a Big 12 title anytime soon? Goodness, no. Do I believe that they can go from being the team that everybody chalks up as a win every single year on their schedule to now suddenly at least being competitive? Yes. I believe Kansas football can get there. So then you look around this conference and you say, okay, if Kansas is building itself back up, let's go down the list. Baylor under Dave Aranda, uh, as long as Dave Aranda's there, I mean, goodness, they're a dark horse for a college football playoff this year. That's what CBS called them this week. And I even think a dark horse is the defending Big 12 and champs. And also, you know, heck, uh, um, New Year's Six Bowl victory. I think dark horse is kind of insulting for Baylor. I see Matt Campbell, Iowa State. Hunter Deckers may end up being better than Brock Purdy was at quarterback. So everyone's predicting a fall off because of Purdy gone and Charlie Kohler gone and Brees Hall gone. And no doubt that core, Mike Rose, uh, was outstanding and, and in many ways got Iowa State football to where it is today. But Matt Campbell is recruiting better than he's ever recruited. And he's still the head coach and he knows how to develop his guys and he knows how to build a program. So Iowa State's... Are they going to be competing for a Big 12 title year in, year out? No. But Iowa State's the kind of program where you say, okay, under Matt Campbell, seven and nine wins every year. And once every four years, you pop it up and you compete for a Big 12 title. That's that's reasonable right now for Iowa State football. We talked about Kansas. 
Kansas State is one where I I I don't know. I don't know what the future of K-State football is under Chris Kleiman. I have not seen as much of a push into the NIL stuff, understanding what the game is today, where, let's be honest, uh, you got to get people and companies involved that essentially make it pay for play. I, it feels to me like of all the Big 12 programs, K-State may be a little behind the curve on that. So that would concern me if I was a Kansas State football fan. We know Oklahoma, what they are, what they've been, what they'll be for at least the next couple of years in this conference. Oklahoma State, Mike Gundy, playing for Big 12 titles, competing at the top of the Big 12. I I see no reason to believe that changes anytime soon for as long as Gundy's there. TCU, Sonny Dykes. How's it going to look different? TCU's got money. They got donors. They got cash. Uh, What does Sonny Dykes do? in this new world of college athletics and specifically college football questions around that. I mean, TCU fans got spoiled a bit under Gary Patterson, especially when you had a stretch there, what three and four years where you're winning 11 plus games. And then Patterson gets blown out basically last season. And now you kind of wonder what's next for TCU football. It's fair to wonder, but TCU with the money and the fact that you're sitting right there in the Dallas Fort Worth Metroplex, uh, one of, if not the most talent rich part of America in terms of high school football, uh, there are a lot of advantages to being TCU. I don't think TCU is going back to being the team that had that stretch where you're living or winning 11 games three out of four years, but TCU football is not going to be a bottom feeder in this conference. Texas, uh, the talent's always there. They're gone in a couple of years like Oklahoma. But is Texas continuing to be that program that has all the four- and five-star guys and all the facilities and just underachieves? I mean, until proven otherwise, I can't really sell you the other way. I, I mean, I know you want to say, we finally got our quarterback and Quinn Ewers and B. John Robinson's going to win a Heisman. And, and I, you know, yeah, you can make the case. But the historical trends for the last decade – would suggest no matter who the coach is, that's not going to happen. Then there's Texas Tech, Joey McGuire. Texas Tech has been kind of a bottom feeder the last couple of years in the Big 12, it's fair to say. But Joey McGuire has the second-best recruiting class in the nation for 2023. Now, yes, a lot of that is simply because of how many numbers he's got committed to the program. Uh, And I don't know what kind of X's and O's coach Joey McGuire is going to be. I know this. No one knows Texas high school football better. No one's going to recruit it better than Joey McGuire. And if you're a Tech fan, you have every reason to believe that uh, this program is only heading in one direction and that direction is up. And then you go to the West Virginia Mountaineers. And the pressure is on Neil Brown this year. There's no doubt about it. The pressure is on Neil Brown this year at West Virginia. Because not only has this team kind of been in a stale, mediocre place, But it hasn't even really been all that fun to watch. Like Neil Brown in three years is 17 and 18 at West Virginia and 11 and 15 in the Big 12. Never finished higher than sixth. Never had a winning record in conference play. Heck, only had one winning record in his three seasons. That was in 2020 when the team went six and four. So, and it hasn't at least been that high-flying offense under Dana Holgerson that West Virginia fans have gotten accustomed to over the years. It's kind of been, offense has been 
for the most part, really bad. <laughs> I mean, let's just be honest. Can JT Daniels turn that around this season at quarterback? Can uh, West Virginia's new offensive coordinator coming by way of USC, of course, that being Graham Harrell, can he turn things around and bring some fun back to Morgantown? I hope so. I want Neil Brown to succeed. But that's the one program where you say to yourself, okay, if we're going to find some bottom feeders here, and bottom feeder doesn't have to necessarily be 0-9 like Kansas is most years. It can be 2-7. and It can be 3-6 and consistently. I'd have concerns right now, potentially, about West Virginia. I would. Uh, Neil Brown's got to prove something here in year four. There's no question about that. There's no doubt about that. So that that's where I would look to if I'm saying, okay, who are the teams I'm concerned about of the old Big 12 falling potentially into the you know bottom third of this league and possibly having a hard time digging out? It's obviously Kansas who's already there. It's Kansas State. It's West Virginia. And then maybe it's TCU to a degree, although I think the advantages of TCU uh, exceed my concerns there. Not saying TCU, as I noted, is winning Big 12 titles on a consistent basis, but uh, middle of the pack feels like a regular place for TCU to be. And then you talk about the four new teams, BYU, Houston, UCF, and Cincinnati. Now, Cincinnati's not going to come in and win the Big 12, I don't believe, like they did in the AAC. I think they're... You know, the step up in competition is going to make them competitive, no doubt about it. And Luke Fickle's a great coach, runs a great program. But are they winning the Big 12, the new Big 12, year in, year out? I I don't believe that to be true. But great coach, great program, a lot of talent, obviously, in the Ohio Valley and in the state of Ohio. So they'll be competing. Uh, UCF, Gus Malzahn thinks that he can win national titles when they go to the Big 12. He said as much here recently. Ton of talent there in Florida. Gus Malzahn, former Auburn coach, has Power 5 big-time experience. If they're able to get the right guys in there and they are fully invested in that program, uh, I need to see more. But I don't see UCF being a bottom feeder. BYU football. I mean, when I think of BYU football, would I be shocked if they were a bottom feeder? Absolutely, I'd be shocked that they were a bottom feeder. Now, the days of them scheduling whoever they want to schedule and having these schedules uh, fit their needs, shall we say. Not that they had easy schedules, but, you know, the schedules fit their need. When you're able to schedule a Liberty in East Carolina here and there, a Utah State, uh, you know, to break up a couple of big-time Power 5 teams, those days are over for BYU. All right? Getting to fit in a San Jose State game in late October uh, is over. That's not happening anymore. So BYU could find itself in a situation, depending on how they adapt, where they could be a bottom feeder. That's the one, if I'm looking at the four new Big 12 teams, that's the one where I say, uh, if BYU doesn't hit it right, they could end up in that bottom feeder status. I think UCF with Malzahn is going to get that thing going to at least be middle of the pack. Cincinnati with Fickle. Same deal, at the very least, but I'll think they'll compete near the top as well. And then Dana Holgerson at Houston. You know, Houston is all in on on getting to the Big 12 with their boosters, with their administration, Tillman Fertitta, all these guys, Dana Holgerson, uh, they're there. But uh, there were plenty of times when Dana Holgerson got outcoached in the Big 12 as well. He always complained about, oh, I'm never going to have the horses, never going to have the players here at West Virginia, and that's why he left. But Dana's a big excuse guy, too. Let's be honest. Dana Holgerson's a big-time excuse guy. 
And, uh, you know, while he may have the talent in the AAC that gets him wins that he wouldn't win in the Big 12, it's not going to happen here in this league. It's just not. So I, I believe Houston will be a competitive Big 12 team. But if I were to rank these teams based on the success I believe they can have in the Big 12 and will have in the Big 12, it would go Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and BYU. That's the order I would put them in in terms of uh, least likely to be a bottom feeder into most likely to be a bottom feeder. Cincinnati, UCF, Houston, and BYU. And I just can't wait. I'm not trying to get ahead of this season. It's going to be a great season, but it is going to be so fun to see how uh, the future unfolds for this league. Pete Mundo on Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Don't forget, if you're on the podcast, leave a rating and a review. Send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com. We'll get a free koozie in the mail for you guys. It's my way of saying thanks. we got much more on the show coming up next. So Texas fans are big mad. They're big mad. And by the way, I don't blame them. I really don't. But this is what we're going to continue to get in college football as the TV networks keep running the show. I'll explain why. It's Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. It's always great to be here with you. So uh, here's what was announced here in the last few days. Great matchup between Texas and Alabama, one of the best non-conference matchups of the week. It's uh, of the season. It's taking place in week two, and there are some really good games actually in week two. You got BYU, Baylor, Oklahoma State, Arizona State, of course, Iowa, Iowa State, uh, and then you have Texas, Alabama. And, you know, it makes sense. Primo game, two blue bloods, game's going to be in prime time, right? No, 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 no. Not necessarily the case. No. And why would that be? Well, it was announced that the game is going to air on Fox. Now, why would that mean it wouldn't be in prime time? Because here's the thing. Fox has made uh, its bones here the last couple of seasons trying to go up against ESPN's college game day. Part of the way they're doing that is by putting some of their biggest games in the 11 a.m. Central Time slot. They get the big teams and those fan bases juiced up. They want them watching their pregame show to go up against college game day, and it's worked for them. You know, they put some of their biggest matchups, instead of the traditional thinking of kind of work your way through the day, the no-name matchups at 11, the okay matchups midday, the primo matchups at night, Fox has kind of flipped the script here. And they've said, no, we're going to air this one at, and we're going to air some of the biggest games at 11 a.m. And to their credit, it has worked out well for them in the ratings. But the fear now is that this game being on Fox means that Fox is going to put it in the 11 o'clock window. And Texas fans are upset about it. And I don't blame them one bit for being upset about it. But just like Oklahoma fans were always annoyed the last few years, and, and you know, Joe Castiglione put out statements being annoyed about the amount of 11 a.m. kickoffs for Oklahoma. This is, unfortunately, and trust me, I don't like the 11 a.m. game, especially if you're going to the game. If you're a season ticket holder, and you're an Oklahoma fan, and you have all these 11 a.m. kickoffs at home, you got to start tailgating at 8.30, right? And don't get me wrong, I'll take a Bloody Mary, I'll take a mimosa at 8.30. 
I, you know, that 2.30 slot is great. Get a little time beforehand and, and, you know, don't have to rush, don't have to be up at the crack of dawn to go put on a decent tailgate. But once again, as long as the TV networks run the show and make all this money for the colleges, which is what they do, and for these programs, which is what they do, it's hard to complain. I mean, you've sold your souls to the TV networks. So they are then going to do what is in their best interests. I'm sympathetic because I like, I mean, I even heard, I've heard Kansas football fans. I live here in the Kansas City area. Kansas football fans, they always get 11 a.m. games, it feels like, right? And they'll complain and they'll be like, gosh, I miss the old days when the game was kicking off at like one o'clock, you know? And I get it too, especially if you're a Kansas fan, you got to have as many Bloody Marys as you can before the game starts. (laughs) I say that with all the love. But you guys get it. But now that the TV networks run the show, they're going to do what's in their best interests, not the fans' best interests. What makes them the most money, that's their business because they're paying hundreds of millions of dollars to air these games. So Texas football fans are not happy with the announcement, uh, with the concern that they are going to get the 11 a.m. slot. And uh, they have started a petition is what they've done. So one thing they're including in this petition is the fact that, well, it's really hot in Austin (laughs) that time of day in September. (laughs) It's a change.org petition. And here's what it says. Make Fox put the Texas-Alabama game at night. Says Fox Sports will unfortunately uh, will have the broadcast rights to the game. Uh what else do they write here? Let me just see. Do, 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 do. Uh, fans of both programs planning to attend September's Clash of Titans can expect projected highs of 97 degrees Fahrenheit. Thank you for confirming you're not talking Celsius because we'd all be dead. 97 degrees Fahrenheit in Austin. Players on the artificial turf can expect field temps exceeding 105 degrees. Fans on the eastern half of the stadium facing west can expect the sun to be in them the entire game. Let me repeat that for emphasis, writes the change.org petition. Fans facing West can expect sun on them the entire game. I mean, there is a thing called sunscreen. The sun won't go down below the opposite grandstand until the game is over. No amount of sunscreen can protect fans of fair complexion. And skin cancer doesn't discriminate. Oh, please tell me this is tongue-in-cheek. Please. Please tell me this is tongue-in-cheek. <laughs> Oh, brother. Oh, brother. Skin cancer doesn't discriminate. Uh, The whiter you are, the less likely you're able to go to the game. Fair complexions are screwed if you're sitting on the east side of the stadium. Uh, SPF 75, baby. Be okay. Grab a bottle of water. Grab two. SPF 75, and you're off to the races. Listen, I feel bad. I'm sympathetic. All right, you see Alabama, Texas, you're a Texas fan, you're thinking to yourself, prime time, tailgate all day, life's going to be good, can't wait. Well, it doesn't look like that's going to happen. It doesn't. And by the way, this is not going to get, for Texas and Oklahoma, I think what they're missing too, this won't get better when they join the SEC. And I don't think it's going to stop them, I get it, but when they join the SEC, they're going to have even less control, less say, their opinion is going to be less valued than it is right now in the Big 12 where they can pull a few more strings. 
And it's not like they're going to be pleased and everything's going to be in prime time and life's going to be good. It's just, it's not going to happen. So this change.org petition for Texas, uh, Alabama, moving the game at night. They're shooting for 1,000 signatures. They've got 649 of those 1,000 as of uh, this show. So go figure. There you go. But that is, unfortunately, and I don't like it as much as you do, but that is the world now of big-time college athletics where the TV networks are going to run the show. And we just have to deal with that, like it or not. That's it for this week. I'm Pete Mundo. Hey, guys, by the way, we've got podcasts we're launching uh, all over the place, specific to Big 12 teams beyond, of course, just this show. We have the new Jayhawker Talker with Mark Van Sickle we've got focusing on KU. We've got our Bedlam edition of the podcast with Eric G. Uh, We have much more to be announced here in the next uh, few weeks as well, so be sure to check that out and stay tuned. And if you have 30 seconds, leave a rating and review on this show on iTunes, then send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and we'll get you a free Heartland College Sports koozie in the mail. It's just my way of saying thank you. So take 30 seconds out. I would so appreciate you guys doing that, and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.